Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Andy Anders on National Signing Day, which uh, is not really the real National Signing Day anymore because that mostly happened in December. Ohio State signed 20 freshmen back in December, signed just one on Wednesday when Dominic Kirks, a defensive end from Cleveland, officially became a Buckeye, but a freshman class now of 22 total scholarship players for Ohio State. That includes the 20 players Ohio State signed in December, Dominic Kirks, who signed with Ohio State on Wednesday, and Julian Sayan, the quarterback, five-star quarterback from Alabama, who transferred to Ohio State just very briefly after starting his career at Alabama, after Nick Saban's retirement, choosing to transfer to Ohio State, giving Ohio State a second five-star quarterback in the 2024 class, along with Air Nolan. So a lot to be excited about with Ohio State's 2024 recruiting class. Uh, we could talk a lot about them, but we already did talk a lot about them back in December when most of the players signed. And so want to talk more today about what we heard from Ryan Day on Wednesday when he held his first press conference of 2024. But also the, the big news that's really still unfolding here as we sit here on Wednesday, and that is whether or not Bill O'Brien is actually going to be Ohio State's offensive coordinator, because Bill O'Brien is a candidate for Boston College's head coaching job as of Wednesday evening. The latest update was that Bill O'Brien is one of two finalists for the job at Boston College. And the way, you know, Ryan Day talked on Wednesday, it didn't exactly seem imminent that Bill O'Brien would leave, yet he's now reportedly going to be having an in-person interview with Boston College over the next couple of days. And so Certainly very possible that Ohio State could lose Bill O'Brien just weeks after hiring him as offensive coordinator. Don't know yet exactly how that's going to play out, but certainly a possibility that Ohio State is going to have to go back to the drawing board in its search for a new offensive play caller. Right. And we did see Bill O'Brien as we were recording our uh, press coverage uh, episode today. I think that, you know, Ohio State right now is proceeding as though Bill O'Brien will be its offensive coordinator this fall. Ryan Day talked today some specific stuff in terms of implementing some of Bill O'Brien's scheme into Ohio State's offense, although they're not going to overhaul things. Uh, talked about him reviewing film of the offensive linemen, uh, getting a sense of what Ohio State has on offense in general, and doing a lot of the things that you would expect an offensive coordinator, an incoming offensive coordinator to do if they were preparing to have that role in the fall. Um, obviously, the move to BC makes sense for Bill O'Brien for a number of reasons. His, his son, who has a pretty significant neurological disorder, gets care at uh, Boston, Child Boston Children's Hospital there. Um, they have uh, he's from Boston, got a lot of family there. Uh, and he obviously, you know, it's a head coaching job as opposed to a coordinator job. Uh, but Ohio State will have contingency plans if it doesn't ultimately keep Bill O'Brien. Uh, that's something that Ryan Day referenced today. Uh, there were other candidates in the mix when they were looking to hire an offensive coordinator. I'm sure they'll revisit some of those. But in any case, one thing that we know Ryan Day is dead set on is giving up play calling duties uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, he dove into a lot of that uh, at his press conference on Wednesday. How hard was it for you to give up play calling or to you know, say that your intention? If, if well, I haven't done it yet, um, so we'll see. But, but I, I, I know that, um, that that is an ideal situation moving forward. I know that it has to happen. Um, there's so much that's going on right now in college football. Uh, do I want to? No, I don't. I love the football part of it. I love calling plays. I love being in there. But, you know, I'm, I'm getting pulled out, and I'm just not, um, you know, on a, on a Wednesday night, you know, thinking about what to call on, you know, third and four on the 21-yard line, you know, in the third quarter of a game. Like, those are all the things you rehearse in your mind, and it takes a lot of work. 
And I know that my energy and time and all that stuff needs to be in other areas. And um, especially with everything going on right now across the board, just with the team and the portal and NIL and just all those types of things. So um, I know that's the right thing to do. But now making sure the right person's in place was critical when we hired Bill. Certainly not a surprise to hear Ryan Day say that on Wednesday because you don't hire someone like Bill O'Brien to come in as offensive coordinator and not be the lead offensive play caller. And so certainly that is the intention for Ohio State this year. It'll be interesting to see what happens if Bill O'Brien leaves, who will replace him? You know, there's been some rumors that maybe Chip Kelly's the guy. Chip Kelly's currently the head coach at UCLA, and it would be pretty shocking if a Big Ten head coach left a head coaching job to become a Big Ten offensive coordinator. But uh, he certainly seems to be looking for an exit ramp out of UCLA, and uh, he has a very close relationship with Ryan Day dating back to when Ryan Day played quarterback, and he was the offensive coordinator at New Hampshire. And so uh, sounds like, you know, if Bill O'Brien leaves it, you know, maybe Chip Kelly could end up being the guy. You know, there's been some other names that have been thrown around in there as well. Jason Candle, the head coach at Toledo. Brian Johnson, the former offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, who's also been a successful offensive coordinator at the collegiate level at multiple stops. The good news for Ryan Day in this situation is that if Bill O'Brien leaves, he's not going to have to start from scratch because he's already talked to some of these people during the interview process back in January before Ohio State hired Bill O'Brien. And so I think Ohio State will be in a position to move quickly if it does end up losing Bill O'Brien. But as Ryan Day said on Wednesday as well, you can't just hire anybody. You, 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 if that situation plays out, Ohio State has to prioritize finding the right guy over just replacing Bill O'Brien as quickly as possible because this is a big step for Ryan Day to give up control of the offense. He has never done this before as, as Ohio State's head coach, and he almost did it last year. He, he strongly considered doing it last year when Ohio State high, promoted Brian Hartline. And ultimately, I, I don't think Ryan Day was comfortable with the idea of giving play calling duties over to somebody who had never called the offensive plays before because it's Ohio State. I mean, he, he said it on Wednesday. The expectation here is that we score 60 points a game. I mean, maybe that's slightly hyperbolic, but not really that hyperbolic. So you don't want to give offensive playing calling duties to someone who hasn't already proven that they can actually do it. And so I, I think if Bill O'Brien leaves, certainly the goal is going to be to hire someone else who also has extensive play calling experience like Bill O'Brien does. And the good news for Ohio State is I think Ohio State is going to be well positioned to land someone else if it loses Bill O'Brien. And I think that's why Ryan Day didn't seem all that concerned on Wednesday, because most likely he already knows or maybe not knows, but has a good idea of who that next guy is going to be if Bill O'Brien leaves. I mean, you're never going to know unless you actually offer them a job and they formally accept it. But I, I think certainly since this unexpected situation came up, I mean, nobody would have predicted this eight days ago. Then Jeff Halfley left Boston College to become the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden a head coaching job in Bill O'Brien's hometown is open and it's an opportunity that he might not be able to pass up, especially given what Andy talked about before with his family situation and his family still living there in Boston. And so it would be hard to blame Bill O'Brien in this situation because it's just not a, a situation that he thought would be available to him. It leaves Ohio state in a tough spot, but it, it could also be a worse spot because, you know, spring practice is still a month away. There's enough time to bring someone in before spring practice. You know, this is really the first week anyway that Bill O'Brien has even been in the office with the coaches because they've been out on the road recruiting for the last several weeks. So 
I don't think you lose that much in terms of timing, in terms of preparation, if this happens. It's obviously not what Ryan Day wants to happen. You don't want to hire a guy and lose him three weeks later. And they hired him for a reason because they thought he was the best candidate for the job. And so whoever you get next was not your first choice for the job. Then again, if you end up getting Chip Kelly, I don't think anyone's going to sit there and go, man, you know, they really had to settle for Chip Kelly. Like if you get, if you get a guy who's had as much success as he's had as a head coach and offensive coordinator, you know, to come in and be your offensive coordinator, uh, I, I think, you know, again, we'll see if it actually happens. He interviewed for the Seattle Seahawks job on Tuesday. So, you know, Chip Kelly certainly has interest in the NFL as well. And maybe he ends up there and then, you know, Ohio State, you know, would have to look at someone else or, you know, maybe Bill O'Brien stays and that would be uh, the best case scenario. But one way or another, I, I think Ohio State is going to be able to find the person it needs for this offensive coordinator job. And I think we both agree that it's the right decision by Ryan Day to give up offensive play calling duties now. Right. You know, and I, I think your credit today, this was a lot of introspection on his part because obviously play calling is still one of his favorite parts of the game. And he was hired, as he referenced today, to specifically for his capabilities in that area. What he did revamping Ohio State's offense after he came in as, you know, co co offensive coordinator um, is really what got him promoted and put him on Urban Meyer's radar. And then, you know, he rises up and becomes the head coach, and you know it's it's how he got the like how he got the job in the first place. Like I said, um, so being able to look inside and evaluate and say, "Hey, I've I've been doing this for years now. It's not working anymore because of all the ways college football has changed since he even he became Ohio State's head coach just back in 2018. You know, or at the end of the 2018 season, they are starting in 2019 as the head coach." Uh, when you look at how NIL has evolved and really wasn't, really wasn't a thing at all when he first got the job, you look at how just how crazy the transfer portal has gotten, look at all of these things that, have, that are now on a head coach's plate, the wild, wacky December that was this December, I think, you know, with, as it stands, that's going to be a pretty constant thing. So being able to look back and say, hey, I have too much on my plate, too much demands on my time to continue doing the play calling. It's not sustainable. And I think also there were times when maybe Ohio State's game plans had some issues as a result or even game management stuff as a result. And that's another thing he referenced is, you know, being able to sit back and take a bigger picture look and be able to say, yeah, maybe we should go for this fourth and two, you know, um, Go. Those kinds of decisions are things that are easier to make when you're not so heavily vested in that one area. And as the head coach now in this day of college football, not that there aren't successful coaches that call their own plays, but I think particularly when you're dealing with a program like Ohio State with Ohio State time demands, it becomes it becomes unsustainable. And we've seen that the last few seasons with Ryan Day. And that's why this move was necessary. And again, credit to him. He has figured that sort of thing out um, and, and moved forward with it. Now, speaking of coaching staff adjustments, Ohio State still has a spot that is open that has remained open since Ohio State uh, decided not to retain Parker Fleming for the 2024 season. And uh, it was interesting to hear Ryan Day talk about the different options there today, because I, I think the assumption has largely been that o Ohio State will promote James Laurinaitis to uh, full-time linebackers coach. And I mean, I was actually told, you know, shortly before we started recording that, uh, you know, I, there, there's still a good chance that James Laurinaitis is going to, you know, be promoted to the full-time staff. And so, you know, we'll see if that ultimately happens. Uh, you know, Ryan Day opened up the possibility, you know, he was asked about the possibility of potentially hiring a, a full-time special teams coach to replace Parker Fleming, who was a full-time special teams coach. And Ryan Day said, that that is still a possibility that, you know, he could go, they could go with a defensive assistant, you know, a defensive assistant could also be 
an assistant defensive line coach, someone to learn from Larry Johnson for a year or two alongside him before he retires. Uh, but, you know, Ryan Day would also feel comfortable hiring another special teams coordinator, which I don't know how well that move would be received by the Ohio State fan base if he did it, because I think the feeling among a lot of people has been that having a full-time special teams coach is not exactly necessary is a lot of college football programs that don't have a full-time special teams coordinator. And so I think, you know, for recruiting purposes, for, you know, offensive, defensive staff balance purposes, a lot of people would like to see Ohio state hire, you know, another de a defensive coach and have, other coaches split up the special teams responsibilities rather than just hiring someone to be just the special teams coach. And so, you know, we will see how that plays out. Do want to play a clip here of what Ryan day had to say about James Laurinaitis, because it is clear that Ryan day thinks very highly of James Laurinaitis, whether or not he ends up getting this promotion. I've been very impressed. And I think he's got a really bright future in coaching. He's only been doing it a couple of years, but playing has allowed him an opportunity to give him perspective but he also has credibility with the with the guys and so uh, he's had an opportunity and that, that was a part of it too is being able to get on the road for a couple of weeks and he had never done that before because he didn't come up as a coach so that was good for him to get out there and, and he's done a really nice job and you know he's a he's a big asset and you know we'll kind of figure out what that all looks like moving forward but but i've been impressed with his ability to coach because it's different than being a player yeah, um, I, I think, you know, the big thing with James and there's another level of commitment that comes with being a full time assistant. It's different being a graduate assistant as he's been for the past, you know, for the past season at Ohio State, season before that at Notre Dame uh, and being that full time assistant because it. Now, all of a sudden, you've got an extra like 40 hours a week on your plate, man, that you've got to be on the road recruiting. And for James, who has a young family, kids, that's a tough decision to make. You know, I, I think there's definitely a desire to keep James Laurinaitis around. That's clear from Day's comments, from what we heard from Jim Knowles back on December 26th, when he had said that it was really important to keep James on staff. Um, but I think as much as it's Ohio State's decision to make him a full-time assistance coach, it's, is this really what you want, you know? Is, do you really want this much of a time commitment, this much time away from your family? Like, football, already a big part of your life, and obviously James has played football forever, you know, played football forever. Eight-year NFL career was integral to his life then, but now you're going to have to eat, sleep, and breathe it all the time, be on the road, have all this stuff on your plate and that's and that's another leap to make with that spot uh, to, to go back to your point you know talking about a special teams coordinator i think another thing obviously that'll make ohio state fans bite you know bite their lip a little or take a step back at that kind of tense up at it is is just what we got with the parker fleming experience right and how bad ohio state special teams were with a full-time coordinator the last few seasons. Um, you know, if, if anything speaks to that job being unnecessary, you, you could point to that. Now, that's not to say that if Ohio State does elect to hire a full-time special teams coordinator with this last staff opening, that he will, you know, be similarly, similarly reviled. But uh, it, it is something to consider that, you know, Ohio State has had much more successful special teams, just going back to the Urban Meyer days, uh, not having you know someone who was full time dedicated with that, and Ryan also said that he can pitch in there with the offense being taken off his plate somewhat. You know, he can dip his hand into overseeing the special teams a little bit, and it can be you know a joint staff effort. Matt Guerrero is a name that's been thrown out there as a possibility to help run things in that department, and you know you could even you can it's it can definitely be. You know, not necessarily one dedicated special teams guy on the staff, but a few staff members that are involved in implementing that and making sure the players know how to execute their game plans when it comes to those areas of the field. Um, and obviously the other uh, potential assistant that could be brought on is someone to learn from Larry Johnson and be an assistant defensive line coach as, you know, Larry's in his early 70s. He's approaching retirement whenever that comes. Who's to say exactly? But grooming his replacement now 
Um, and there have been a couple names tossed out there, Jason Taylor being a big one, of course. Uh, grooming his assistant now could reap benefits in the future and also help establish some recruiting continuity when you talk about, you know, anyone who's Larry already, who Larry has already built a rapport with on the recruiting trail, getting out there uh, and establishing a relationship saying, hey, this guy is the next guy. He's going to develop you, meet him, get familiar with him and commit to me, but you might play for him in the future sort of a thing. Yeah, one way or another, Ohio State special teams need to be better in 2024. So if if Ryan Day thinks there's a great special teams coach out there and determines that the best way to improve Ohio State special teams is to hire a full-time special teams coordinator, then that's fine. But to your point, if you do that, the special teams have to be elite next year. You can't, you can't devote a position to special teams coaching and then have mediocre special teams that that's not going to fly. And so if there's someone out there who you really think is a rock star special teams coach who maybe can help you out in other areas too, it can be a good recruiter. And you know, that you think that's the best move for the staff, then, you know, that would be understandable. I think you and I still both agree that if James Laurinaitis it feels like he is ready to be the full-time linebackers coach, but I think that's the move that you and I would both make because he's already making a big impact as a recruiter. I mean, even just the past few weeks as he was filling in after Parker was let go, he's already made an impact on the recruiting trail. You know, guys like Tarvis Alford, a really highly targeted guy for Ohio State at linebacker of a 2025 class, has raved about James Laurinaitis and the communication that he's had with him. And so I think if James Laurinaitis wants the job, is ready for the job, I'm, you know, if you can get a Jason Taylor, then you'd, you'd, you'd go do that. But there, that does not seem like it's really picked up any steam since it was first kind of out there a month ago at this point. And so I think, you know, more likely the decision here is going to come down to James Laurinaitis or a special teams coach. And to me, I mean, you know, I think, the Laurinaitis situation, it kind of reminds me of Brian Hartline and, and, you know, not just for the obvious reasons, because I remember when Brian Hartline first started, he was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I really want to do the coaching thing. And then he realized he was really good at it. Ohio State realized he was really good at it and it, it's become natural. And now he's like all in on it. I, I think we will see the same evolution with James Laurinaitis. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's a matter of, when, not if, he becomes a full-time coach at Ohio State. I would be very surprised if, by this time next year, James Laurinaitis is not a full-time member of the coaching staff. Maybe maybe he stays on as a graduate assistant for one more year, because he can do that for one more year, and maybe they wait until next year uh, to promote him to the full-time staff. But I think one way or another, James Laurinaitis is going to eventually become a part of Ohio State's coaching staff because it's clear in the clip we watched from Ryan Day that Ryan Day thinks very highly of him. We've heard Jim Knowles talk very highly of him. He, they know that he's an asset and they need to find a way to keep him around. Absolutely. You know, James frickin' Laurinaitis, as I said before, you gotta, you gotta keep him on the staff. And I, I think it's clear that he's going to be here this year at the very least, um, whether that's in a grad assistant or full-time coaching role. Uh, so that's not really not something to worry about. I, I, but I, I, it is like, like you said, a matter of when, not if he does eventually take on that full-time linebacker coaching spot. Now coaching, the staff isn't the only thing that's a little bit in flux for Ohio State. You know, we were curious entering this press conference about a couple of players uh, with maybe some positional questions. I think the biggest one on everyone's minds is Sonny Styles. Uh, we didn't get any clarity, and I don't think we expected to get any clarity necessarily on where his future lies. But we did hear Ryan Day talk a lot about his uh, flexibility, being able to plug in at multiple different spots. And I think it's good to at least hear the coaching staff is looking at Sonny and evaluating what his best future is. We believe that's at linebacker, especially when you're bringing back um, 
you're bringing back Lathan Ransom. You got Caleb Downs in the portal. Those two guys seem to be a lock to be your starting deep safeties anyway. You have Jordan Hancock at nickel. Like the will linebacker spot is the spot that's open. And it seems like the way Sonny's body has evolved uh, since he arrived at Ohio State, putting on some weight makes the most sense for his athletic skill set to play at that will linebacker spot. Now, it's not a smooth transition down there. And I think that's why Day referenced, uh, you know, because after I brought up someone else uh, other than Sonny who we're looking at for a position change, and that's Josh Fryer, that whenever you're talking about these guys making position changes, they have to embrace it wholeheartedly. They have to see it as the best route for their future. You know, that's why it ended up working with Steel Chambers. That's why it ended up working with Kate Stover. But if you don't get a guy who is dedicated to making that switch and truly believes in it, then it's going to be hard to figure that out. So whether it's Sonny or Josh Fryer potentially sliding inside from tackle to guard, which was something I was very curious about and asked about in today's press conference, uh, you've got to have a guy that's willing to embrace that and be ready to take that role on. Yeah, I mean, Sonny Styles came into Ohio State as the number one safety in the country. So, you know, you could see that, you know, Maybe it was not necessarily expected for Sonny Styles, but now going into his third year, you'd be talking about a position switch to linebacker. But we've talked about it before, so I don't think we need to rehash the same point we've made multiple times already too much. But you know, I, I think I think for all parties, a move to linebacker for Sonny Styles makes sense. I mean, if you just think of the NFL, you don't see a lot of safeties that are as big as Sonny Styles. You do see a lot of linebackers with Sonny Styles' body type. And in the modern game of football, you know, you think back of the old school, you know, Dick Butkus type linebackers that are, you know, those big, you know, 260 pound Mike linebackers. That's not the modern game of football. The modern game of football, probably the most important thing for your linebackers is their ability to drop back into coverage. And I think moving Sonny to linebacker, I think can give you an immediate coverage upgrade at linebacker. And I think it's a position where he has the chance to not only be a great college player, but be a great NFL player. I think that is likely where his long-term future is. And I don't view it as a huge transition because I think the way that he was being utilized last year, a lot of times he was playing like a linebacker anyway. And so there's, you know, I think some of it's going to be experimentation in the spring. I mean, we've seen a lot of times where Ohio State goes into the spring with one idea for a guy, and then they end up pivoting. I mean, they did that with Sonny last year. So, you know, I, there's some of this is just they have to get on the field and experiment and then ultimately make those final decisions. But I do think that they're not going to say it right now, but I do get the impression that their plan is to make Sonny Styles a linebacker. The Josh Fryer one, I'm not as sure on. Like, I'm not, I'm not as sure if they necessarily see it the way we do in terms of moving Josh Fryer inside to guard. But it does sound like that is something that's going to be experimented with this spring. You know, when Ryan Day was answering your question, he specifically said, he said, Josh is going to be on the right side. He didn't specify he was going to be right tackle or right guard. And so I think that's the question there. And I think some of that is also going to depend on who else steps up on that right side, whether it be a Tegra Shibola, whether it be a Luke Montgomery. Can somebody else step up at either right tackle or right guard and become that solidified starter? Or is Ohio State going to have to go back to the transfer portal and add someone else? You know, all of that is going to be a factor. But, you know, going back to the point with Sonny and his NFL future, Ryan Day did make that point with Josh Fryer on Wednesday as well, that he thinks for Josh's long-term future, that he, him having the ability to play tackle and guard would improve his chances of playing in the NFL. I would agree with that assessment. And so I think that's going to be some of a sales pitch to him because we did hear Josh last year. I mean, originally the plan last year for, for Josh was to play left tackle. And he was adamant like that he believed he could be a left tackle. So I could see where maybe Josh wouldn't necessarily be thrilled about the idea of, hey, you're going to get moved inside to guard if maybe he views that as a demotion. Now, I think you and I both see it as that's just a better fit for his skill set. He's a little bit overmatched against the speed rushers at tackle. 
is another year of development going to fix the issues he has at tackle? I'm not so sure. I think, I think it's more physical limitations than it is skill limitations for him. And so I think a move inside to guard for him makes sense. But again, I think that's going to be one of those developing storylines over the course of the spring. And you know, Ryan Day said he expects a very competitive spring. And as we've talked about before, how the spring plays out might determine whether or not all five starting offensive linemen are currently on the roster or whether Ohio State goes and gets another offensive lineman in the post-spring transfer window. Yeah, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with all of that. Uh, and that's, again, why I really thought that uh, Josh's or think that Josh's best position is guard because I don't see the limitations of blocking a speed rusher as, you know, a technical issue, as a mental issue. It's just simply his feet aren't quick enough. That that's what I see when someone comes up, flies around the edge on him. Now, I'm not watching him every day. And again, he's got to embrace that role. Um, and Ryan Day acknowledged some of those shortcomings, I think, in the answer a little subliminally. But he said, you know, essentially that Josh knows there are some issues that he had last year that he has to correct for us to get to where we want to go. And I think that's kind of what that was in reference to. Right. And you look at Josh. I don't think he was really that bad overall. Um, but. And, his, you know, his pro football focused grades, if you put much stock into that, would reflect that. Right. But when he had breakdowns, they were really bad. And it was because of that speed rush off the edge. You know, someone just flies around the end and gets straight to Kyle McCord and or, you know, against Missouri, Lincoln Keenholz or Devin Brown. And it's, you know, it's really glaring. And those are the kind of lapses you can't afford to have up front, period. You know, just instant pressure on a pass rush. Um it's one thing to get beat after sustaining for a little bit, but that that those are the kinds of things that need corrected if he is to stick at tackle. But I do think that Tay Grishabola and Luke Montgomery's development play a huge factor into this, especially if Ohio State doesn't ultimately add another transfer. They might, you know, as we've discussed. Um, the the two of them, not only where they're at, but what position they're best at, because I, I think Tegro, we're feeling a little more confident now, is going to stick at guard. Luke could be either a tackle or guard. And whoever steps up between the two of them, if one of them steps up, whether that better fit is at guard or tackle, could help determine where Josh plays. And I think, again, yeah, NFL GMs rave about versatility. I think you can sell Josh on that or you should be able to sell Josh on that ability to play guard. And Josh has also talked about in the past how dedicated he is to the team. I, he strikes me as that kind of guy where you really told him, hey, this is what is best for the offensive line, what's best for the team's success in 2024. He would listen. Uh, he just strikes me as that kind of character. I don't know. Um, we've talked about this extensively already. Like you said, don't want to dwell too much on the details, but you know how much I love talking the offensive line, Dan. All right. Um, let's jump into some of these transfers here. Um, you know, speaking of the offensive line, Seth McLaughlin, I think, uh, got some praise today from Day. And I think what was interesting was him talking about how the offensive linemen, a valuable thing with Seth is them picking his brain about what Alabama does differently, maybe along the front five or does differently as a program than Ohio state and kind of learning from Seth. And I think that really speaks to his role. He's coming in to be the center, to lead the line forward and, and embrace that leadership role, not only on the field as a center always does making the signal, setting the protections, but being an example for everyone else to look at and say, Hey, this is what it looks like. This is what high end high caliber, consistent quality offensive line play looks like. Now, obviously, he's going to have to rectify the snapping issues. We've addressed that before. But um, as far as the transfers go, there's going to be bigger names we talk about here in a second. But that was interesting, I think, to hear Day talk about with Seth today. Yeah, talking about bigger names and transfers from Alabama, I think it's safe to say that Ryan Day is excited about Caleb Downs. <laughs> yeah, Caleb's. Uh, um, you saw what he did as a freshman. Um, you know, to say you know we're all excited to have him part of part of the program is an understatement. Um, he brings a lot to the table. You guys will learn that. You know, won't get into all that right now. But his talents, um, his talent is is exceptional. But you know, he's already created an unbelievable amount of discipline in his life. 
He's created the skills to play the safety position at a high level. Um, but I'll tell you, it's fun, you know, because that secondary, I mean, they're competitive now. Like, they're not going to take a back seat to anybody. So um, everyone sat up a little straighter when he walked in, and that was good. But they embraced him. You know, he, he knows those guys through the recruiting process. Um, so it's going to be some, some, uh, some great competition this spring. But, you know, he is very, very talented. And, and, you know, what do you have, 107 tackles as a freshman in the SEC? You know, so, I mean, my goodness, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I think we laughed a little bit. One of the last questions of Wednesday's press conference was Ryan Day being asked if Caleb Downs would be a day one starter. And he did not directly answer the question, but he didn't need to. I mean, we know that Caleb Downs is going to be a day one starter for Ohio State. I mean, not only that, he's going to be one of Ohio State's best players right away. Now, that's not to take anything away from all the guys who are coming back because you know, Ryan Day did make that point multiple times on Wednesday that, you know, he thinks the real story of this offseason is all those great players who are coming back and that, you know, they're going to be the foundation of Ohio State having the chance to achieve all its goals in 2024. But when you can add a player like Caleb Downs in in the secondary, it's just such a, it's such a big boost. I mean, he, he's such a, special talent and you know i think there's a lot of times when we talk about transfers and it's i think sometimes we maybe overstate like how big an impact they're gonna make just because that excitement of a new player coming in but i think with caleb downs it's it's hard to overstate that because i think he's that good but he's legitimately going to come in and be ohio one of ohio state's best players right away and, you know, as Ryan Day talked about, it's not just because of how talented he is, but also, you know, just his professionalism, his approach to the game. You know, our own Garrett Codge did a Q&A with Caleb Downs' high school coach uh, last week, and he said that he had heard from people at Alabama that he would he would be in the film room, you know, everybody else would be gone from facility, the janitors would walk in and he'd still be in there studying film. His his opposing coaches in high school actually wondered if Caleb Downs had stolen their signs because he was so good at film prep that he knew the plays that they were gonna run based on their alignments. And so it's not just the fact that this guy has elite physical ability. He also is going to come in with a very advanced approach for a guy who's only a sophomore in college. And because of that, I think he's going to, yeah, he's going to, he's going to immediately be in line to be a starter. And I, I think, I think Ohio state, you know, Jim Knowles, Matt Guerrero, I think they're going to feel comfortable putting a lot on his plate right away because he's already proven at Alabama in the SEC that he's capable of that. Not only capable, Dan, 107 tackles. I, I believe I mentioned that stat last week. Ryan Day brought it up today. Uh, but that was, you know, I, I don't know how often you see that 107 tackles from a true freshman at the SEC, let alone at safety. Uh, you know, and you expect that maybe from a senior linebacker, right? That's that's not it, it, it is ridiculous what Caleb Downs brings to the um brings to the table for this team uh and again his game knowledge it's it's so apparent when you watch the film too he seems to have that you see as jim knowles would put it he sees the forest through the trees he's able to diagnose plays and get downhill and stop things before they get started for an opposing offense and when you look at what the other pieces this defense has i mean it's he takes it to such another level and we already expected this defense to be great before his addition. Um, there's just, you know, I, I think what Ryan Day said today was warranted, and there's all the reason for Ohio State fans to keep building their excitement uh, around uh, Caleb Downs and what he'll bring to Ohio State. I think the other, the biggest name that fans are paying attention to uh, from 
this group of transfers is obviously Will Howard, you know, and likely being Ohio State's starting quarterback. That did not get confirmed. We weren't expecting it to. Uh, maybe there was that off chance that Ryan comes in and says, yeah, Will's the starter from day one. But no, it was mainly talking about earning respects, talked about splitting the reps up in the spring, uh, which was you know, a really good question from you, Dan, and him, him talking about just like, what um, that's going to look like dividing it up between the five quarterbacks. Really, I think the conclusion that you come to is Ryan's going to get him enough reps to where he feels will knows the offense well enough, has grown enough comfort with his receivers to carry into the summer and implement what they need to implement during those summer months. Um, had in preparation for fall camp and, and, and get will sort of get his feet under him. Um, but in terms of that leadership and gaining that respect, uh, Ryan day had some positive, really positive things to say about him. Um, the other thing though, and you know, this is important when you talk about, you know, opening things up on the ground, Ryan mentioned just how important Will the legs, not just Will's legs, but looking for a court transfer quarterback with the ability to run the ball was for Ohio State's offense this year. One of the things we got to do to win the last game of the year is run the football. And in order to, to do that, you want to have somebody that at least needs to be accounted for in the run game. If the other defense says, well, he's not a threat at all to run, that certainly uh, changes the angles, changes the numbers, the leverage, all the above. And so that was one thing that I wanted to make sure we had. And I think when you look at the guys we have on our roster right now, they all have the ability to do that. Started with that. Then from there, okay, uh, how do they throw the football? What's their size? What's their intelligence? All those things. But we wanted to make sure there was enough of it. Doesn't need to be running around doing all kinds of, you know, running with the ball, but needs to be able to at least be account accounted for uh, by the defense. Yeah, that to me was one of the most interesting comments we heard from Ryan Day all day. And, and Ryan Day was in the room at the podium for over an hour. So there were a lot of comments, but that was certainly one that stuck out to me because when the transfers met with the media last week, you know, Will Howard had said that, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he was coming to Ohio State in part because he wants to pass the ball more. He wants to play in a more of a pro style offense. And he thinks, he thinks his arm is the strength of his game. And he thinks Ohio State's offense is going to highlight that. But, you know, Ryan Day made it clear today that, you know, they are in part bringing Will Howard in because of his ability to run the ball. Now, I think how do those two things marry together? I think Will Howard is not going to run the ball as often as he did at Kansas State. But I think just the fact that he's proven that he can do it is going to keep defenses honest, is going to force them to account for that running threat. And that's something that Ohio State didn't have that much of the last few years. You know, I think with C.J. Stroud, I think it was in part because they chose not to have that threat. I think C.J. Stroud was capable of making plays of his legs. They just chose not to use it. I think, you know, with, with Kyle, I think there was maybe a little bit more willingness to do it, but he just didn't have as much athleticism to really be able to be a significant threat in that regard. So I think Will Howard, he's not Justin Fields. You know, he's not someone who's going to be running for, you know, 80 yard touchdowns, but he gives them that threat to where defenses are going to have to be prepared for his ability to pull the ball down and run. And when you do that, it, 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 you know, you, you just see it all the time. It makes a defense, it makes an offense harder to defend. And that's especially true when you're pairing Will Howard with a running back tandem like Travion Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins. And I think another comment that stood out to me today was the way Ryan Day talked about Travion Henderson when he was asked about Quinshawn Judkins. Well, when it first um, you know, happened and, and Quinshawn went to the portal, you know, the, first, the first thing was you know, talking to Travion um, and you know, what are your thoughts? And you know, he, was, he was unbelievable. You know, if you think it helps the team coach, then, then let's do it. And then you know, talking to Quinshawn, saying, you know, Travion you know, is here and he's coming back. And he said, well, I'd love to go play with him. I think he you know, said that to the media last week. And, so I just think that, that both of their approaches are that they, you know, they can get each other better. But it all started with Travion. And I think Travion's 
leadership so far this year as he's transitioned into his fourth year has been tremendous. Um, the way that he's gone about his work, the way that he's holding guys accountable. He's got a different look in his eye, and I think that's important. You know, he's been in these games before. He knows. Um, but I'll give Quinchon credit. You know, he, he also has embraced what we've been in our culture in the next, you know, last couple of weeks, and we'll see as it, as it grows. But um, all the reports are that he's doing a great job of simulating. Something you love to see, and you don't normally think of, you know, running backs as the leader of the team, per se. Um, they, you know, uh, there are exceptions to that rule, obviously, but, you know, it's such a Cadillac position that you – um, you know, I, I think it's great to see Travion take this next step off the field. Uh, and, you know, maybe he's vying for a captaincy in 2024 with all that they um, have coming back senior wise. It'd be interesting to see him uh, evolve into that role. And I think even this past season, you started to see some of his leadership um, and just how he was able to create plays for the offense in, in certain games uh, throughout the year and really take on. Um, you know, accepting and playing through some of the things he dealt with in terms of injuries, um, handling it better than he handled last year where he forced himself to play through an injured foot. And it clearly, you know, he wasn't at 100 percent most of the year. And like I I really admire, um, too, with Travion, his process. And um, yeah, I, I just I love to see this evolution from him and what Day is saying here about his ability to lead. Um, and he's going to need it because, you know, him and Quinshawn are going to be splitting up carries here quite a bit. So I don't think either of them are going to be the guy, but you have the best one-two punch in the country now opened up a little more by that Will Howard running game. I, I think it is very important, as Dave pointed to, because it really comes down to two things. Uh, in this spread scheme, you can start running more true zone reads, true RPOs, things where – you know, Howard pulls and keeps a few times a game. And now you have to have that man accounted for on defense. You have to implement, if I'm the defensive end and I get, and I'm the, you know, guy on a zone read that the offense is reading, maybe I have to stay home for the quarterback instead of just crashing down on the running back every time. Or maybe a linebacker has to be aware of that and they do a gap exchange. It also creates those eye violations with the linebackers where you don't quite know where to look. You have to stay at home just a step longer, and that's all it takes when you have such explosive running backs as these. Um, it, it is really It really changes the math in the box when you have a real threat to run the football. And with Travion's continued evolution, with the addition of Quinshawn Judkins, if Ohio State figures things out up front, that's the big caveat in all of this, they could have a truly ferocious rushing attack in 2024. And, you know, another important point that Ryan Day brought up, too, is, you know, part of a reason for bringing in Quinshawn Judkins when they have Travion Henderson is you could play. I mean, theoretically, Ohio State could play as many as 17 games this year. You know, Ohio State certainly is a team that has aspirations of playing in the Big Ten Championship game and making a deep college football playoff run, which means you're looking at playing, you know, 16 games this season. And so you need to have, you know, depth at every single position. And certainly bringing in Quinshawn Judkins to pair with Travion Henderson, bringing back a guy like Dallin Hayden, bringing in a couple freshmen, James People, Sam Williams-Dixon. I mean, we've seen it with... The old schedule that Ohio State's gone through a lot of running backs in recent years, you add in even more games, it's going to be even more important. And so, you know, I think that's why, you know, it it absolutely is admirable from both Travion and Quinshawn to both look at the situation and say, we're fine with splitting carries. We want to play with each other. We want what's best for the team because they don't, they don't, neither of those guys has to be like that. I mean, both those guys would be the guy at almost any other school in the country. So neither of those guys has to be like that. So you've got to give them a lot of credit for, for taking that outlook. But there's going to be plenty of opportunities for both those guys. It's a, it's a long season. You know, Both those guys are going to have a lot of opportunities to show what they can do over the course of a season. When we talk about having a lot of mouths to feed in a room and talking about that communication with players, that's certainly particularly true when we talk about the other quarterback transfer, that being Julian Sain. And when Ryan Day was asked about that 
on Wednesday. He acknowledged that, you know, that wasn't the plan. They didn't, they didn't sign Aaron Noland in December thinking they were going to bring in Julian saying in January. It was simply a matter of they got a second chance to get a guy they really wanted and they weren't going to pass up that chance because Julian Sands too talented for them to pass up that chance. And so uh, he said he did communicate with the other quarterbacks to let them know, you know, that it was going to happen and why it was going to happen. And he, he indicated that, you know, he thinks all the quarterbacks are really getting along so far and, you know, they're looking forward to competing with each other. Uh, he used that you know, ter- phrase, quote unquote, fierce competition. Now, I think we both agree. We fully expect Will Howard to be Ohio State's starting quarterback this year. Uh, we're not surprised that, you know, Ohio State's going to approach it as a competition going into the spring, but I think we'd both be very surprised if Will Howard was not Ohio State's starting quarterback this year. Next year, you know, you don't know. I mean, I, you know, you don't bring in a guy like Julian Sayan and then not put him in position to compete for the job next year when he's in his second year. But Aaron Nolan's a really talented guy too. He wants that job. And Devin Brown and Lincoln Keenholz are still there too. So it's going to be a really fascinating quarterback room to watch this spring in terms of how they divide up those reps. Like you said before with, with Will, they need to make sure that Will gets enough reps during the spring so where you know he's ready in the summer to where when you get into preseason camp and you start ramping up into that season, assuming he is in fact your starting quarterback, you need to make sure he gets enough reps that he gets into a room. I mean, we saw what happened last year when they split reps all off season long, even into the season. We saw what happened, that the results were not as good. And so I think, you know, you can certainly make it a competition in the spring if you want. I do think assuming this all plays out the way we expect it to with Will Howard, you know, before preseason camp, you know, he should be your guy and and you should give him most of the first team reps in preseason camp to make sure that, you know, he gets into that rhythm within the offense that you need him to be before that first game. But this is also not the same thing as a guy who's never started a game before taking over the offense. This is a guy who started 27 games at Kansas State. And so the amount of reps he needs to get acclimated are not quite the same number of reps as would have been the case for, say, a C.J. Stroud three years ago when he had never thrown a pass. Right. You know, it's it's uh, it's a unique scenario for the for the Ryan Day era. This is the first time he's had a quarterback come in with significant starting experience. It's going to be, you know, the projected starter next year. Obviously, you know, you look back at the three other quarterbacks he's had. None of them started a game before they were Ohio State starter. And uh, that that experience should make the assimilation a little easier, um, obviously, for Will Howard. And I I do you know want to go back to your point about you know splitting reps and i think it did put kyle mccord behind the eight ball a little bit uh for the beginning of that season and we saw like it took some time for him to get the confidence and it really like started a little bit after he was named the starting quarterback but obviously he never got to the point development wise uh that we expected him to get to and whether you know how much of that was due to maybe a lack of reps hard to say um but you know i think it was certainly a factor and uh you know it's it's good to it's good to have a guy with that experience with that background coming in that really the reps are just to get him acclimated to ohio state's offense get him acclimated to playing in elite big 10 defense like ohio state will have on the other side facing him when they go good on good um and not so much just in general needing to acclimate to the speed of the college game being a full-time starting quarterback um and i will uh, Kyle McCord did start a game his freshman year, uh, so so not totally correct when I say no game started previously, uh, but uh, that was uh, you know not a full time starter. This is the first time Ryan Day has has someone that will have been a full time starter elsewhere coming in to to lead his program. One more thing we should mention on the football front here this week is Ohio State landing another massive recruiting win over the weekend as Naeem offered the number one cornerback in the 2025 class committed to Ohio state following a visit to OSU. And, and Tim Walton's just on an absolute heater right now, man. He 
has already landed commitments from the top two cornerbacks in the 2025 class, those being authored in Devin Sanchez. Ohio State's currently trending for Fahim Delane, the number one safety in the 2025 class. Ohio State's already set to land at least three top 10 cornerbacks in the 2025 class in Offord, Devin Sanchez, and Blake Woodby. And that's after he already landed two top 10 cornerbacks in Jermaine Matthews Jr., Calvin Simpson Hunt in 2024, Aaron Scott Jr., Bryce West. And oh yeah, he, he played a big part in, in bringing Caleb Downs to Ohio State as well. Uh, he's put Ohio State in a good position to land another five-star cornerback in Dorian Baru. And so we, we've, we've talked about it already a few times recently, but man, Tim Walton, what he's doing on the recruiting trail right now, it is seriously impressive. Wait, I'm goaded. <laughs> that's the, that's the meme that's uh, of, of team Walton, Tim Walton, team Walton, Tim Walton, that they've been tweeting out, uh, you know, and it's, it's, he's become the Brian Hartline of the defense. That's all you can compare it to. And, you know, Brian's done it for longer He's got a track record of bringing in, you know, the best receiver classes in the country dating back several years now. But the the run that Tim Walton has been on can only be compared to something, the things that Brian Hartline has done in that receiver's room and not just corners. I mean, you look at what he's done, you know, obviously bringing in Caleb Downs. Ohio State does land Fahim Delane. I mean, Matt Guerrero has only been here a few weeks. You can't really I, I mean, obviously, Tim Walton was a lead in that recruitment. It's like the amount of talent he is acquiescing for Ohio State in the secondary and you look at the, you couple that with the development of the cornerbacks room this past season I mean for a guy that certain fans were calling to get tarmacked after the 2022 season uh, when Ohio State's corners struggled a little bit uh, he has all of a sudden become the the one of the two best assistant coaches on this staff in terms of recruiting and developing talent for this team uh, it's, it's him and Brian Hartline really 1A and 1B all of a sudden. Um, now, we've got a lot of positive things to say about football this week, Dan. Speaking uh, of coaches who Ohio State fans want to be tarmacked. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, my goodness. I, I think we hit a new low this week for Ohio State basketball. I just want to open this 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 next segment up with an apology to all of our listeners, to, to my dear readers. If I brought any false hope in this team previously if i sold you on the fact that they were capable of making a run and making the ncaa tournament i am sorry uh man second blown 18 point second half lead of the year to an indiana team who is not very good uh three and nine in the big 10 lost eight of the last nine games now on a five game winning streak to couple with the three game winning streak they had previously uh this was a game that you know, they really couldn't afford to lose at Iowa. They really couldn't afford to lose at Michigan. They've already lost a couple of must-win games. This was like, for Chris Holtman to have a chance to keep his job, for them to make the NCAA tournament, this was like the ultimate. Like, this was a must-must-win. And it was a game that you really assumed Ohio State was going to win because this isn't, again, a good Indiana team. They shot 28%. In the second half on the road earlier this year against this team and still and, you know, almost won. I know, you know, who cares about moral victories? That's not what I'm trying to say. But this was a new low for this team. And I think, honestly, look, I again, I think Chris is a good guy. I don't want to dance on someone's grave too much here. This is someone's actual job that they really care about, uh, regardless of, you know, what the product looks like and what fans want to say. Chris. No one wants to win as much as Chris, I'm sure, but he just sounds defeated right now. And I think that was especially apparent in his post-game press conference when, you know, people were asking him about the chances that this team could even turn it around. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he was asked one question. His response was basically, well, we'll see how we respond. So, you know, I mean, we, we talked about it before. I mean, a month ago, I think it was after the Michigan loss, he was asked about last year. And he responded pretty defiantly, like, this year is going to be different. You guys will see. And, well, it, it hasn't been different. It, it's been nope. – it's arguably been worse. I mean, it, it hasn't been any better. It, 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 it's been bad. And it, it's just – you know, the, the reality of the situation is it, it, it's hard to see this thing turning around now. I mean, I think, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, several games now. Okay, must win. Uh, you know, if they're going to have any hope, they got to win this one. 
I, I feel like we're at a point of no return now. I think mm-hmm. so to blow an 18 point lead at home against a team you were supposed to beat to lose your eighth game out of nine. I just don't think this team is coming back from that. I think there's clearly something that's not working for this team right now. And I think it's too late to salvage it. And I think for, you know, Ohio state, it means they need to start thinking about who the next men's basketball coach at Ohio state is going to be because it's been seven years. The the results have not come. And, you know, this, this is, this has been a trend. I mean, blowing games down the stretch has been a recurring trend for Chris Holtman's Ohio state teams. And it's, it's really, you know, gotten worse and worse here of late. And I, I think he feels it. I think he knows that, you know, his tenure at Ohio state is probably coming to an end here pretty soon because he, at the end of the day, you get judged on results. You don't get judged on being a nice guy. At the end of the day, in sports, you get judged on wins and losses. And Ohio State is not winning enough right now. They're they're not. I mean, Gene Smith, when he hired Chris Holtman seven years ago, said the expectation was for Ohio State to be a top 15 program in college basketball. And Ohio State, barring a miraculous run to a Big Ten tournament win, is going to miss the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row yeah hard to be a top 15 program in college basketball when you're not even a top 10 program in the big 10 right now uh this is bad uh and you know i think again it's just the the feeling in that press or the writing on the wall it felt like when you know he's someone asks him is it what gives you confidence that this team can fix its late game issues and start winning some of these games and he just says we'll see yeah we'll see that was the entire quote um it's it feels like he knows what his situation is very well and you know i don't want to spend too much time on this because i don't think people care anymore um people have totally tuned out from this team they set a new value city arena record for their lowest average men's basketball attendance last year and heading into this indiana game it had dropped another 13 and a half percent literally millions of dollars that buyout starts to look a little less unaffordable when you consider that they're now losing millions of dollars in ticket revenue um but like i said you know i don't think people care that much anymore and that's clearly reflected in those attendance numbers so i don't want to spend too much time talking about it let's talk about the good basketball team at ohio state dan yeah the ohio state women's basketball team to finish on a more positive note here has won its last nine games in a row and is now ranked number five in the country. Another great win for the Buckeyes on Sunday as they defeated number 10, Indiana. And so if you want to watch an Ohio State basketball team that, you know, might actually bring you some joy, watch the Ohio State women. Like, like I mean, they, they are, they are a, they're a fun team to watch. They, they really are. And, uh, you know, this is a team that, you know, I think has legitimate Final Four aspirations based on what we've seen from them over the last few weeks, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of really good teams in women's college basketball this year. So it's not going to be easy to get there by any stretch, but this is now a team that's put itself in position uh, for, you know, a, a top two seed in the NCAA tournament, you know, potentially even a number one seed if they can finish the season strong. And, you know, a lot of that is going to come down to, you know, if they can continue to beat Iowa and Indiana when it comes to, you know, the big 10 tournament, you know, you know, those are the free teams right now that are battling for, the big 10 championship. And it's looking very likely that that Ohio state, Iowa rematch in Iowa city could end up being a de facto big 10 regular season championship game because both of the teams are currently tied right now of 10 and one conference records. Uh, You know, Ohio state now, you know, still a lot of games to win between then we've seen Ohio state have some close calls against teams that it should be. So you got to, you got to take it one game at a time that starts with, going on the road to Minnesota on Thursday continues with another road game at Michigan state on Sunday. So Ohio state can't afford to be looking ahead to that, you know, rematch with Iowa in a month, but you know, those two teams right now are certainly on a collision course toward potentially playing for the big 10 regular season title uh, there in Iowa city in a month. And you know, that's going to be a very tough game. And I mean, you needed overtime to beat them at home. It's certainly going to be tough to beat them in their own place where uh, you know, they always have a raucous crowd and they certainly will for that game. But, uh, you know, Ohio State women's basketball, a lot of good things going for it right now. 
Uh, you know, Kevin McGuff has done a great job of, of building up that program and putting it in a position where it is a legitimate contender for Big Ten national championships. I mean, what people want Ohio State men's basketball to be, but it just isn't right now. And hopefully it will be again at some point in the future. But, you know, for, for right now, uh, you know, I, I think the Ohio State women's basketball team is certainly the far more entertaining team to watch. Yeah, and it's not only that, it's their style of play, man. I mean, if you haven't watched this team yet, the style of play from them, they run a full-court press most of the game. They're constantly turning teams over. They're one of the best turnover-creating teams in the country. They turned Indiana over 23 times when they played in that top-10 game, and uh, that was five more than Indiana's turned the ball over at all this season. They have fantastic defenders to run that full-court press defense. I mean, Celeste Taylor's one of the best in the country, um, but you also have what Cody McMahon brings, obviously, super exciting. You and I were both talking about her and just like her ability on the dribble drive is something that's rare in women's basketball to be able to maneuver around the rim and physically overpower certain defenders um, and finish around the rim with 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 force and uh J.C. Sheldon, obviously a star for this team and they're super glad to have her this year and uh, there's just so much to enjoy and appreciate about this Ohio State women's team. If, uh, you know, the, the tickets aren't that expensive either. Get out there. They're drawing bigger and bigger crowds. The atmospheres are getting better and better. I mean, they opened up the upper bowl for this Indiana game and, uh, you know, almost they came really close to outselling the men against Illinois, uh, you know, the, the last weeks there. So I think this is a, a lot of momentum right now behind this program, and you have to admire what Kevin McGuff has built. And, uh, you know, if you haven't caught the fever yet, watch an Ohio State women's game, man. They're a really fun, really exciting team. The unfortunate barrier for a lot of people is that – their next three games are going to be on Peacock. Uh, Ohio State <laughs> plays uh, at, at Minnesota on Thursday at 9 p.m., at Michigan State Sunday at 4 p.m., and then next Wednesday at 7 p.m. All three of those games are on Peacock. So, unfortunately, you do have to be a Peacock subscriber to watch uh, the Buckeyes' next few games. But, you know, like you said, uh, they'll be back at home next week against Nebraska. Two more home games to come against Maryland and Michigan. And, you know, you know, you know, it, it's not necessarily fair to compare like the men's attendance versus the women's attendance, but they have been going in, in separate directions, but the men's attendance, while it's going down, the women's attendance has been going up. And that certainly mm -hmm. is a reflection of their results. And so uh, we will continue to follow uh, the, the women's team here on real pod Wednesdays. We'll see if the men's team gives us anything better to talk about in uh, the, the weeks ahead. Although as we talked about, it's, it's looking bleaker and bleaker by the week, but certainly lots of football excitement to talk about. I would imagine by next week, we will have an answer on whether or not Bill O'Brien will still be at Ohio state. And maybe we'll have an answer on who will fill that other assistant coaching job as well. So we'll have plenty to talk about again next week. And we hope you join us again then.